Thanks for listening to Mass Off Live. This is a lightly edited podcast of a Instagram live show hosted by myself, Dr. Natasha Burgert, and my friend, Dr. Nicole Baldwin. We're both pediatricians. I'm in Overland Park, Kansas. She's in Cincinnati. We've been friends for many, many, many years, and we chat together every few weeks on Instagram uh, over a glass of wine about how we're navigating uh, all things pandemic and beyond. In this week's episode, which was recorded on February 23rd, 2022, we dialogue about some of our thoughts about the Pfizer delay uh, in getting vaccines to our littlest Americans. We talk about chronic stress and how we are going forward to make decisions for our family. We talk about the new developmental milestones and how we feel that these particular changes are good for our patients and will hopefully increase the number of patients we are confidently referring to services if they need. And there are certainly a few surprises along the way. You'll find our famous segment, Hell No Let's Go. You'll find what we're reading, what we're watching, and what we're listening to. And I hope you'll stay all the way to the end to hear Nicole's amazing story about her flight home from Orlando. Uh, here you go. Take a listen. Tonight on Mass Off Live, we have a lot of different things that we're going to talk about. But really, as usual, this is unscripted. I haven't talked to Nicole since we all talked to each other in the last two weeks. And of course, we've had a lot of things transpire since then. So uh, I know that we will, I think we have to lament a little bit about the news from last week. We've got a recall we've been dealing with. We've got milestones. We've got long COVID. We've got masks dropping everywhere. We've got boosters. There you are. My beautiful friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm tired. I know. So am I. I told Kevin, I'm like, I don't know what we're going to talk about on Mass Off Live tonight. He's like, you haven't known what you were going to talk about for the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow we always manage to fill up the time. We seem to fill it up. It's amazing how that works. How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm here, you know. Well, what's up? Look at my wine that I'm drinking. Oh, Snoop Dogg? I like it. Very it's nice. a, it's an homage. I just am feeling like I, I have to relive a little bit of our Super Bowl. So it's 19 Crimes. Cali Red is what it's called. Maybe there's a little something, something special in there for you, too, since Snoop got his hands on it. It's going to be a fun night if it is. Cheers! 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 Oh, my gosh. Okay. You crack me up. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a Pinot tonight. The Bethel Heights Pinot. This was a gift, and it's lovely. This is I, I started the bottle last night, and then we the, I'll finish it tonight. Well, this, in all truth, was from Brayden Allison had it the other night. They got it. And so I, like, texted them. I was like, hey, can I finish that bottle of wine? They were like, sure. It's like, good, because I want to drink the Snoop wine. There you go. Well, it's so, so well for you to have a red anyway, so. Yes. So how are you? I'm doing, we're, we're doing good. We're doing good here. We're doing How's good the here. office? Good. It's much better than when we talked about it last. So I, my office flooded, my office flooded here down in Kansas City. And we were really worried about the, the flooring, obviously. 
Um, but apparently it had adhesed so well to the concrete underneath. There was like a little bit of water in the gappage and then they have sucked it all up. They've cleaned it all up. All the fans are gone. And it's, I am so happy they didn't have to tear up the floors. So things are still very displaced because we still have to fix like the walls and stuff, but all things considered, like, yeah, that's it, great. We never had to shut down business as usual. And hopefully in, hopefully in the next few weeks, it'll actually get fixed fixed. So thanks for asking. It actually is, is not, is not bad. Should we talk about your multi-talented husband? What about him? Well, I saw a picture on your Instagram stories that he was working your front desk at your office. Oh, yes. one. He was. Uh, but that was no. because of snow, not because of the flood. No, I know. I know. Um, and number two, I mean, he might have a job as a voiceover uh, artist at some point. You know, his fees are low. His fees are very low. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad you pay them. You're the one that pays them. Right? No, he enjoyed doing that. He enjoyed doing that. He thought it was funny. Yeah, I thought, awesome. that turned, I, thought, I thought that promo turned out funny. Figure do you want to do your disclaimer? All of the opinions expressed on this show are I, mine and mine alone and do not reflect anybody that I work with, anyone in my practice. And we are just two pediatricians talking about COVID over a glass of wine, and this is not medical advice. And see. Last time we got together, we had anticipated getting together last week. So we all have to do a kind of a communal groan, mm -hmm. I think, about that situation. And we had thought, I mean, I know with our community, we had said we were going to be here, but we were all kind of a wreck, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was such hard news. And I guess if you're... Um, living under a rock and you don't know what we're talking about um the the news that you know kind of Pfizer pulled out of submitting their data to the FDA for approval for those six months to, to five-year-old kiddos and looks like it's going to be a couple more months and so it's it it was a hard blow for a lot of people I think for so many parents and of course pediatricians because man we just want our littles to get that opportunity to be protected and i know that there's a lot of um gosh there's a lot of vitriol out there i mean my video that i posted about that i got a decent bit of hate on that and i was like dude all i was saying was like i'm sorry that this isn't available no um, i know but you know, the level I of just has skyrocketed just in general, like in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I, I don't know what's happening with all of that, but it was interesting because I was talking to my families and I had had a conversation in the the. I had a conversation of what the rollout plan was the that that morning, Friday morning, Friday afternoon. We got that news, which was so a gut punch. But I think that after the news kind of settled in a little bit. I think that many of my parents last week really were um, insightful in, in taking a broader view, saying, okay, here we are. All things considered, we still have this opportunity to get a miracle of protection in the next couple of months. This is going to help increase and establish better confirmation of its utility, its safety, and its efficacy than that will help more families get vaccinated. It will help mm -hmm. with vaccine hesitancy. And if that helps, if that is helpful, then it's also helpful for my child. Mm -hmm. yeah. So 
it is what it is and mm -hmm. i and i wish it wasn't the way that it is but i'm we're all trying to find a silver lining How about yeah that? you know what's interesting about that is i was saying to my families that morning too and the day and the days before i was like you know what's weird about this i said because they were at, you know, I'm seeing all these babies for checkups. They're like, you know, what's going on with the vaccine? And I'm like, you know, the meeting is on Tuesday and da, da, da. I said, but you know, what's weird is that each time the other vaccines have come out, we have already placed an order. Like we've already been able to order vaccine by now. We've already heard from the Ohio Department of Health. We've already placed our order because they shipped it as soon as the FDA authorized it and that hadn't happened and so i was like it's really weird i said you know the timing i said if they authorize it you know normally then what happens is within a week or so the cdc group meets and then typically we had vaccine in our office the day the cdc would authorize it and so i was like since we haven't been able to order yet i don't know what's going to happen and that should have been my first clue. Like no, something true. is going, something is up here. Like, why is this not, is this not happening? And so, you know, I think it was, it was good and bad. Cause I agree with you. I do think that um, it felt a little bit weird to me, to be honest, that they were going to consider authorizing something that we hadn't fully, like hadn't been through those, you know, two month trials, you know, having at least two months of data showing it's, it's efficacious. Um, but I was like, I, I just need to see it. I need to read the data before I make a judgment. Well, I never got the chance to do that. So um, people are asking when will Moderna vaccine be available? I haven't heard. Have you heard, Natasha? I haven't heard any updates on Moderna. And, you know, I, I just don't, I know people are urgent for it, but Moderna is not in the pediatric space. So I think that is a very big hurdle for, their, for them to overcome because a lot of the data that we use during these meetings or that I should say that the expert uses, I mean, we are an international sensation, but that the experts- It says so. It says on so. On our glasses. Have, have glass, it says so. That the data that they've used is cumulative, right? They're like, this is what we know about this pediatric population. And we kind of pull that down in that age de-escalation and they're not going to have that as robust as the Moderna. Not that I'm, I mean, I, Moderna will eventually become a player. I would imagine mm -hmm. that they would. But mm -hmm. the other thing too is Moderna's just gosh darn smaller than Pfizer, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it, it's not like F Moderna can roll out 20 million doses tomorrow, like, right. like, like Pfizer can too. So, I mean, there's going to be a little bit more of a technical issue there too. I, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in hearing it all. Right. I want to know it all. You but, know? you know, the one thing I want to hopefully offer reassurance to all the parents of kiddos right now in that age range, that six months to five years, is, holy moly, cases have dropped mm -hmm. so drastically right now. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they really seem to be going in the right direction. And I know that, you know, we have been living in this state of anxiety and, you know, anticipation for couple years now. And I think it's hard to pedal out of that and, and look at the bigger picture of we have to do what we can with where we're at. And right now where we're at is we don't have the opportunity to vaccinate those kiddos, but their risk of infection is low and getting lower because community rates are getting lower. So nothing is zero, nothing is absolute, but 
as rates continue to drop, even though these kids may not be able to be vaccinated, that doesn't mean that your two-year-old has to be, you know, kind of like on lockdown and not be able to expand their horizons a little bit. Because again, as we see those cases drop, we're going to, that's, I think that's kind of where Mass Talk Live is going to have to like, you know, we need to shift to helping you guys figure out how do you unfold. And I think we'll talk about that tonight. We need to, because, oh my gosh, I got so many questions and I'm sure you did too. The mask mandates are dropping in my kid's school. Should I send them without a mask? You know, and there's so many scenarios with that. But that's the big question, I think, on a lot of people's minds right now. I completely agree. Just for just for a little bit of framework too, did you look at your numbers? What are your numbers? Yes, I did. In the county near me, and I think, okay, so when you're looking at your numbers, and this kind of sometimes like, it's hard for my brain to wrap around this. Are you saying your numbers per day or per week? Seven week average is the last, yeah. we, we reported as a last seven day average. Yeah, so on 220. in our area, like our, like our kind of six county range area, we were at like 203 per 100,000. But in my county where I live and work, we were at like 87. Oh, so you see what good. I'm saying? So like our six county region was at 200. We were down from 322 the week before. So we're dropping, but we're still in that like, substantial slash high risk when you look at kind of CDC stuff. Where are we're, you guys? We're, um, I really focus intently on Johnson County. This is where I work, play and live. So I'm really focusing on Johnson County. We are down uh, to 8.5% positivity. That was down from 18.3 last time we talked. So that's yeah. a tremendous drop. Yeah. And our, our instance is 156 per hundred, which used to be 622 per hundred. That's nice. Tremendous drop. This yes. has at 66% of us are fully vaccinated here in the county. This is even better than I predicted. Like now, I predicted that like April 1, we would be in the low rate. And I think it's going to be mid-March, which is going to be awesome for spring break. Are you, where are you getting, where are you getting your data? Because man, it's different everywhere, I feel like. It's different everywhere. I'm, I'm using my Johnson County Health Department. Health Department, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm using the health department dashboard. As the pandemic has gone on, as you have too, I'm sure, Nicole, it's like you kind of look at those numbers and you kind of get the feel from your office, right? Yeah. Like the feel yeah. from your office. And I will happily, happily announce that I was on call on Sunday and Monday. And during that time, I only tested like 10 kids for COVID and all 10 were negative. I mean, that's, tremendously better so yeah. a lot of this anxiety of the mass dropping it's not zero and yes we've we've the mass have dropped and we've seen a little bit of pop pop up pops here and there but generally it's good it's it's reassuring and um our kids have got a ton of time off school for the next like month we've got half quarter weeks half days day off here spring break another vacation you know what i mean we had a snow day like that really helps too when the kids are not together all day, all day, all day. So I, so I'm, I'm a lot less anxious about the mass dropping in our elementary schools than I was before. I still think that our vaccine rates suck. I mean, I still think they're, I'd be a lot more comfortable if people would vaccinate their five to 11s, which makes me even more nervous about our six months to fives. Yeah. Yeah. But, 
But right now, I think we can kind of take a deep breath. And I think we can have, I was talking with one of my families too about, I think in, li in life, like we've, you've taught, you've already alluded to like this chronic stress that we've had. We've had this traumatic, we're, we're in a state of trauma. We've had chronic stress for two years and the importance of anticipatory joy. And anticipatory joy is so important for our life rhythms. Like, I know I'm in a slog right now, but I'm going to go to Cayman or I'm in a slog right now, but I have this trip planned or I'm in a Cayman, but I have this anniversary to celebrate. And I think we're really getting to a point where we, we deserve and we are safe to have some anticipatory joy. I want to be thinking about special events. Yes, if you have an anniversary coming up and your community rates are low and you're, and you're max facts, please go, enjoy, mm -hmm. have, a, have a good bottle of wine. You deserve it. Let's go. Let's pl start planning our summer vacations. Let's start planning getting out. Let's start planning, even with our unvaccinated littles as these rates are low. We need to take advantage of the times that we know that we will be in a lull. There's going to be yeah. peak. There's going to be another peak. Right. There's going to be another peak, people. So let's, let's, let's lean into what we know. And when we are in a lull and when rates are dropping, let's take advantage of it. That's, that's super helpful for us to dip our toe in and, and, and connect with our vaccinated friends to, to plan our trips. And, and we're getting into this, that time period where we can do that safely. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to address, there was a question, Buckeye guy, because he's asking a lot of really great questions. Like, do we do I do we think that the rates are low because people were mailed home tests and so they're not getting reported? And so, what I would say to question. that is, number one, has anybody actually gotten their home tests? Because I haven't heard that anybody's actually gotten their home tests. Number two, I think that affects it a little, but not as much as what everybody thinks. Because, and the reason I say that is because. I'm not getting all the phone calls of people it saying such and such has COVID and I, my child has been exposed. And so that's what we were getting. Oh, look, a lot of people have gotten their tests. Very good. I'm glad you guys got your tests. Natasha did not get hers yet. Have you? Um, no. I ordered I, on day one. I'm still waiting. I still need to order mine. Um, I was waiting to kind of let the, every, the excitement die down and I need to order mine. Because yeah, I still have a few tests. I have ordering, ordering those. And if we see it there, you know, this summer, they're going to start racking up at Costco and Sam's and all that kind of stuff. Like start your little stockpile for next winter. Yeah, because that's definitely going to kind of ramp up. But, but just to say, like, I'm not hearing that. And our, our positivity rate in our office. So we do our positivity rate every week. And it was 8% this past week, down from 12% the week before, our flu positivity was like 26%. You know, we're seeing a lot more of like respiratory viruses, you know, going around right now. Flu, we're seeing some Coxsackie virus, we're seeing some, um, like a little titch of RSV, not a ton, but, but yeah, so there's a lot of other stuff. And I started to get, have you got your gestalt yet? Cause I do feel like there are some kids that I'm like, yeah, I don't think you need a COVID test. Like, I don't think this is COVID, which is great because for so long, we just had to test everybody because we just didn't know. And granted, if another variant hits, who the hell knows? But, you know, I think that I definitely got good handle on Delta and then, you know, Omicron hit, it was a little crazy, but then got a good handle, I think on Omicron. So 
No, I think that you're exactly right. And this is a horrible way to learn that lesson. But yes, you're, you're exactly right. And we're seeing a little bit of RSV. Not as much flu as that. We're not seeing that much flu. Well, but okay, but let's remember percent positivity is because we probably didn't test that many kids. So, you know, we didn't test yeah. a ton of kids, maybe. Um, and I can actually probably look and tell you. And again, we had like most of our schools were out four, five, six days last week because of the snowstorm. Like, yeah. That, that really does help with transmission of the other respiratory stuff. Because what, what we're going to see is flu surge and RSV surge, not that the masks are dropped. So here's the thing in all three of my offices. So when I say 27% positivity, and again, everybody, this is, you know, because these numbers are all crazy. They can be deceiving. We tested 15 kids and four were positive. Okay. So it seems like crazy scary, but it was 27% because not that many kids got tested. And probably those four that were tested, my guess is some of them might be siblings or something like that. But just like, you know, again, you look at the numbers and that is what it is. But in, so last week in my entire practice, our, I told you our COVID positivity is 8%. We only had seven positives out of three offices. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, yeah, yeah, clap it up for that. Clap it up for that. That's so, awesome. so again, I think that things are definitely settling down a little bit. I'm still wearing my mask. I haven't stopped yet, but um, things are settling a little bit. No, so. that's awesome. Everybody, uh, everybody in Kansas City has vomiting and diarrhea right now. When that kind of started, we were testing everybody for COVID because we know that you can have significant GI symptoms with COVID and they repeatedly were coming back negative. So now that we're seeing just run of the mill GI bug that's going around, I think it's less critical to get a COVID test because none of these kids are positive and, yeah. and it's just a GI bug. And it's so funny, too, because GI bugs, they live on surfaces, are transmitted on your hands and touch surfaces. And all that stuff. So the mask is not going to protect you if you are not, like, washing your hands, your hands. and cleaning your surfaces. So, yeah. So what do you think? This is a good question. Al's Murph is asking, three-year-old wears a KN94 mask at daycare. Amazing three-year-old. Way to go for your three-year-old. But no other kids are masked because it's not required. Does her mask make a difference or is it time to, like Elsa, let it go? The teachers are masked. What say you, Dr. Natasha? Well, now we're going back to the basics. What's your community rate? In Southern Johnson County down here, I think they probably take it off. But okay, but I think the other question there is, and I don't, I don't honestly really know the answer to this. There probably is an answer somewhere. I just don't know it. How much benefit is that three-year-old getting being the only child masked in that class? Right. Granted, she's wearing a good mask, but she's three. Now, I don't think there's any harm in her wearing the mask at all. I don't think that's any harm, but is there enough benefit to have your three-year-old be the only one wearing a mask. I think when your community rates get it, are, are approaching that, that the case rates are approaching 50 to 100,000, I don't think that the, I think that the risk benefit shifts. I mean, yeah. I think I, we're, we're getting to that place where the young kids are beginning to have choice. So mm -hmm. I had a lot, I have a lot of questions too, where my kid's are the only one that's wearing a mask and getting bullied, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there is harm in getting bullied. There is there is more harm in getting bullied right now than wearing that mask. And so mm -hmm. I know it makes us nervous. Mm -hmm. It really makes us nervous. But we are not in the peak of the Omicron wave, wave anymore. Things are mm -hmm. drastically dropping. And the mm -hmm. risk benefit is shifting. 
So if he truly is the only person that's wearing the mask, his benefit is likely low. And bullying is a big deal. Like, I, I don't know, because you know, there is going to be a time when we really need to have those masks back. There's going to be another surge. We need to be able to have that time conserved when we really want our kids to wear the mask. So am I going to wear the, make them wear a mask throughout the summer? No. Do you have a high-risk person at home? Is that kid immunocompromised? Then absolutely this is different. I'm talking mm-hmm. about a low-risk child and community in which the rates are dropping. So mm-hmm. most importantly, what we, like, what we probably need to teach our kids is what your family's preference is for them mm-hmm. and to respect others' choices. Yeah. Um, so I think that a lot of someone's asking about long-term health effects of COVID. So they have a one-year-old, the one-year-old can't wear a mask. So they're very careful. Again, this is Buckeye guy. So uh, is he right to be cautious? And, and yes, I, I think we, we just don't, we, we don't know, like we don't have all the data when it comes to long-term COVID and especially in littles who can't tell us if they're having symptoms. I mean, we can see these kids that are having more like the more serious effects, right? Which is still very rare, like the MISC and things like that. But, you know, 12 month old can't tell you if they, how well they can smell or how well they can taste or, you know, I don't know, like, are they really fatigued and irritable or are they just being a 15 month old? You know, I don't know. It's it's so hard to know. So I do think that we all have our, our levels of risk that we can tolerate. And so what I think is most important right now for everybody's mental health is that we are just gracious with other people's choices. So if somebody else chooses to not enroll their two-year-old in preschool and chooses to keep them at home, that is their choice right now. And don't give them shit about it. Don't make them feel bad about it. Don't tell them they're a horrible parent because they're not socializing their child. Because right now that is the risk that they can tolerate and that's fine. And on the flip side, if somebody is taking their child and is comfortable with having their child in preschool and is not masking them, judge them in your brain if you feel like it, but don't judge them out loud. Not only like face to face, like the, the level of rage and hate on social media has skyrocketed in the last few. And and we've been here the whole time, the whole time, folks, me and my bestie here, the whole time. And it's insane what has happened in the last, like, just this recent bit of time when all these changes are happening. And I don't know if it's becoming more socially acceptable because the masks are dropping and there's a certain subset of the, of the population that feels validated. And so they're going to share their opinion more strongly or what the hell is going on. But we need to be kind to one another because part of decreasing anxiety and part of unfolding this is you don't know if that person that you might be judging for not having that mask on at the grocery store, you don't know if that's their first time. You don't mm-hmm. know if that's their first time where I am a max fax individual or the, the store is not busy and I am going to take my first step in here and make sure that I'm okay. We, we have to be kind to one another. We mm-hmm. have to be kind to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is difficult for us all, whether we're keeping them on or keeping them off. Like yeah. there's judgments either way. And this is mm-hmm. just really not a cool place to be. Yeah. This is a good segue threshold that defines low community transmission. What are you saying? Well, I mean, I kind of like your local epidemiologist put out a couple weeks ago, 
and it's the same kind of with the CDC and stuff like that too. So if you have less than 10 per 100,000 in a seven day period, that is considered low. And also like you can also kind of have some settings, like if you're vaccinated, then if you're between that 10 and 50, then that's also, you know, she kind of laid out when it was, it wasn't just her, it was several um, experts when they felt it was safe to kind of go indoors without a mask. So low, low, I would say less than 10 per 100,000 for a week. Yeah, I would say less than 50. Okay. 50K per week. That's kind of what I'm feeling in my mind. I think the percent positivity still matters because these are the people that are going to get tested. So you know that that's tremendously underreported. So if you still have a 5% positivity rate, it's much higher than that. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my logic for it. I also think that when like some of that, I think we do have to respect our vaccine-induced immunity. And mm -hmm. so I have a little bit more tolerance to get up to 50,000 cases per 100 just because we're vaccinated. But I would not have had that, I would have not have had the tolerance to 50 cases per 1,000 this if time you weren't, last yeah. year, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I, I, I don't think anybody knows. Well, and, I, and I'm talking generally, like, I yeah. probably would judge a little differently for my own family. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Just in the fact that we've had, we're max vax and we've had COVID. No, totally, totally agree. I am so sympathetic to the parents who haven't had the opportunity. I am going to keep my mask on for your littles, because I know that your littles aren't vaccinated. Yeah. I'm going to keep my mask on until those littles get the opportunity. Once the littles get the opportunity, then I think I will personally have more ability to take my mask off but that's really a roadblock that's a mental roadblock for me mm -hmm. yeah have you guys in your office discussed or have you thought about when you might kind of drop masks in the office i feel like we need to have that discussion just because you know that so many of our decisions have just like we're like tripping over these decisions because we're like you know this comes up and we're like you know we have to make this decision so I think it would be nice to have data just like this to say, okay, when our community rates are X, then maybe we consider if a parent is comfortable for a well visit, a child a well visit. Like I don't, I don't see myself not wearing a mask in a room with a sick child for quite a while, but I do think that it would be nice and especially I would love to afford the opportunity to my parents of my nine to 15 month olds to not wear a mask in the office because all they're doing is fighting their toddler from trying to rip their mask off their face the whole time they're in my office. You know, and I feel so bad. These parents are like, half the time I'm like, it's fine. Take your mask off. I'm, I, I am comfortable with you having your mask on right now. Like I am wearing a KF94, like I, I'm fine because Otherwise, you're all you're doing is like trying to keep your kids hands off your face because they're ripping at the mask the whole time. Right. So, you know, there's that aspect of it. But we haven't we haven't discussed it. And I don't I also wonder, is it going to be a case that it's more once those littles have the opportunity to be vaccinated? You know, my six months and over once they have the opportunity to be vaccinated, 
is that when parents are going to be more comfortable? Because again, I want this to be not just about rates, but I want to make sure that they feel okay about that. You know, well, I, I completely agree. I think this is almost like a, it'll be like some joint decision making with the family. Like, do you feel yeah. comfortable taking your mask off for well visits only? Mm -hmm. but we all know how well visits turn to sick visits really quickly. Right. And, yeah. And I don't know. I really don't know. All I know is I'm not wearing real clothes anytime soon. No. I scrubbies. I mean, I, I like ordered new scrubs, but yeah. like. I'm rolling in the new scrubs. I'm rolling in the new scrubs. Did you get a new color? No, they're still navy. I got, that's I so red, boring. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm going to switch it up. I got a red pair of pants. I don't know how I feel about it. I haven't worn them yet. Did you get the new figs red? I was thinking about getting that one, but I, I legit have black, navy, gray, teal, purple, pink. Is that it? Maybe six pairs? Yeah, I have navy and navy and navy. Um, oh, and I have a bright blue. Well, I have navy and navy, and I got the reds, and it's a different fabric. I'm just going to say, if you're ordering healthcare providers, if you're ordering figs in the new red color, it's a different fabric than the navy. That's all I'm saying. Oh, it is? Yeah, it's like a thinner fabric. It's not oh. thin. Um, I do want to address um, Lori, who is debating, still debating how to see sick or known COVID patients outdoor drive through in a different entrance, different hours for well versus sick. So here's what I will, I will reveal the secret to you, Lori. It's not really, but whatever. We have never seen our sick patients outside this whole time. We did not have the space to do that. We did not have the capability to do that. Um, we did in the very beginning separate sick and well times and sick and well, um, we didn't separate sick and well entrances, but everybody still waits in their car. They come right in, go to a room. Everybody who's over the age of two, typically, some of our two and three-year-olds don't, but everybody still wears a mask. Now, we don't, we don't separate the times. They come in when they come in. But to my knowledge, I don't know, I don't think we've had any in-office transmission. I don't, I can't say that 100%, but we still wipe down the rooms very, very well. Like we open windows when we can, you know, we try to do our, all of our ventilation and all the other stuff. But I, I do think, especially if your community rates are low, I, I feel like you can probably bring them in fairly safely right now. If you're, ha if you're in a mask, they're in a mask, you're wiping stuff down, um, you've got decent ventilation, you know, I really think that you can. We have to trust what we know. Our kids are coming in masks and most of them are vaccinated that are coming yeah. into my office. Our vaccine yeah. rates are fairly high in my office. Mm -hmm. And so we trust that. We did see kids at the beginning during the OG. We saw them outside. In retrospect, that was probably overcautious. Not necessary, yeah. Yeah, that was probably overcautious. But we didn't know, but yeah. But we didn't know, so we saw them outside. We tested them outside. My patients are preferring to wait in the car. Yeah. So they can directly roomed. I think people are yeah. still getting creeped out a little bit with the waiting room. Yeah. Although ours is so much fun and it's really pretty. I mean, not when it's flooded, but <laughs> it's, very, it's very pretty and fun. Um, but I think that that has kind of changed a little bit. Yeah. But we also have dedicated exam rooms that we just have for urgent care and sick visits. So we always felt very comfortable that our sick visits were kind of in a different area of the office than the well visits, which I think also helped. I haven't heard of any 
any significant reports of outpatient office transmission. I've heard isolated murmurings of like, you're in an open emergency room with multiple COVID patients waiting for beds and they're, you know, and that kind of stuff, but not in a, in a typical outpatient office with a closed door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I think so too. I think that, yeah, we know it's airborne for sure. We do. But fortunately, it's not measles, which is great. You know, measles is a different animal. I don't know. I mean, it's not a perfect system. But um, I do think, yeah, the waiting in the cars, I don't know that we'll ever go back. I mean, we're building a new office. And we kind of debated a little bit, like, do we put a waiting room in this office or not? You know, yeah. and, and we did, because who knows what 10 or 15 years is going to bring. But I, I think that most people really, really, really like being in the car yeah. um, and just getting out and coming in when it's, when it's like their room is ready. It's great. Absolutely. And I would, I would say too, that we have, a, if we have a COVID positive, like if I have a kid that I'm like, that kid's got it. We've got that rapid PCR in our office. I can know in an hour. And in the meantime, we just don't use that room. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. so I mean, we, we give it some time to like circulate the doors closed and we, we're in a medical office building. So we have like hospital grade ventilation, you right. know what I mean? Right. So there's other things that we are doing. We, we are not taking this lightly. There's other things that we are definitely. Yeah. Like we're not so, taking anything I mean, lightly. That's our job. Yeah. What else do we need to talk about? I just want to put out just a little... I'm having, I'd love to hear your experience. I'm having a little trouble getting my 12 pluses boosted. Trouble because they don't want to or? Trouble because they think Omicron was your boost. Oh, I see what you're saying. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I've had a ton of that. I mean, I have been a little bit more lenient, I guess, in my advice to kids. Like, you know, if they had Omicron at the end of January or middle of January, I'm like, yeah, you still need a booster. You can probably wait a month or two to get a booster. Like, oh, completely agree. Completely like, for agree. sure. Like, you don't need a booster right this second. Do you need a booster? Yes, you do. Do you need it right this moment? No, I don't think you do. So that, so, so I guess maybe I'm still in that range because we're just coming down off of that and we haven't hit that like two months after most kids have had Omicron. So I'll, you know, I don't know how, how, uh, how that's going to spin out. Yeah. I did interestingly enough, just have a family. It was kind of funny that they, they, you know, they have a bunch of kids and um, had mom had had the opportunity to get some of them vaccinated. They're all eligible, but some of the, a couple of them weren't able to get vaccinated because they had been sick or whatever, and she didn't want to vaccinate them. And so the two that hadn't been vaccinated got Omicron, and nobody else in the house, all the ones that had been vaccinated, did not get it. And I was like, you just did a clinical trial right there. I was like, you just, she was like, I know. I was, and so she was, of course, like, oh, I can't. And, and they had had, they had had COVID as a family like a year ago. So it was like, these, all of the kids kind of, it was a very interesting thing. Like they all had some immunity or in the past, you know, it had COVID, but then the ones that had the opportunity to get vaccinated and it was by no fault. I mean, she just got busy and you know, the kids were sick and it was, she didn't do it on purpose. It just happened, but uh, it was interesting. And so 
one, one of those kiddos got a vaccine today because they were mouths, but. Um, to segue that, what are you telling your newly minted five-year-olds that are coming in so excited to get their first COVID shots? When are you telling them to get the second one? This happened to me today, actually. Um, I said, well, okay, so, so I have a hard time not saying three weeks because three weeks is what the studies are. I'm, I'm like, three or four weeks? I've been, I've been kind of encouraging that four week or more, but I don't know. I had one today, but they're going on vacation. So okay. mom was like, no, I need to get the, I, we're going on spring break. And I was like, perfect. I was like, do the three week. That's totally fine. Yes. Because we have the, we have the data that the three weeks worked. I, I think there's just a gestalt among some of us that we think that potentially some of the durability is maybe because the three weeks is early ish. Yeah, but that biologically makes sense. When the 21-day test originally came out, we were in a global state of emergency crisis. And we yeah. are still in a global emer state of emergency crisis, friends. The pandemic is not over. We are still in there. But in my community, we are privileged to not be in a place of, like, crisis. So, like, that 21 days is kind of less critical. I yeah. envision in my head, I am telling my patients that are coming in, I've had so many cute little patients that are so excited in their five-year-old checkup. And they're so excited to get their little shot. And I'm telling them four to six weeks for shot number two. Yeah. Don't, don't at me about it. But that's what I'm saying. And, and that, But that's a good point. If you're traveling or something like that, we can boost them a little bit earlier. But I really think eventually this is going to become a three-dose series. And I think it's going to be very similar to our other three-dose series that are at mark zero, two-month, and six-month. That's what I think that it's going to biologically – that biologically makes sense to me. That'll be like day zero, two-month, six-month. Don't right. worry about it. It's just a guess. Right. Um, but to that regard, there is absolutely zero reason that if you're – if you're 12 and above got their second last summer, like they should be boosted. Like yeah. it's going to be a three dose series. And then hopefully I'm crossing my fingers. Hopefully that unless you're pregnant and need a compromise for 65 plus, hopefully that will, that will do it for quite some time. Like I yeah. don't, I don't think that this is going to be annual. I, I think that the, don't think this is going to be annual until, you know, maybe a, a variant pops up that totally changes the game. So Okay, we only have like a few minutes left before we get into after hours. Uh, I'd love your opinion on the new uh, developmental milestones as released by the AAP. Dr. Baldwin, what do you say? So I read the paper. I have to get through all of the new, you know, where these things all are, are lying. So first of all, how the hell is there big like disinformation and misinformation about freaking developmental guidelines? I mean, are you kidding me? Again, the asshole level is like way <laughs> too high. You are, you are trolling about developmental milestones, something people have been doing for millennia and you are trolling about it. It's so stupid. It is so stupid. And newsflash, this was a committee of <laughs> from the American Academy of Pediatrics that gave guidance to the CDC. Apparently they knew it was going to happen because they convened this committee in 2019 before there was even a pandemic. So they had their, like, they knew they were hiding. They were hiding that a pandemic was going to come. Because big pharma and big government. Okay, go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. Anyways, so 
I, I, you know, what I think is interesting about it, like, I don't know that it's going to change my practice a whole lot because everything that's in, I know, (laughs) just so you guys know, the, the changes, like the reason some of the guidelines got moved to a later age was because they just took, instead of saying like, okay, 50% of kids should do this at this age. They looked at when should 75% of kids do this and they put it at that age. So maybe I think like, isn't walking one of them? Like it didn't walking move from like 15 months to 18 months or something like that. And so um, somebody was. And you always referred patients if they weren't walking by 18 months, that's when you referred them. It doesn't freaking change what we do, people. Not at all. And someone someone was messaging me about that and questioning it. And they were like, oh, well, you know, if a child wasn't walking at 15 months, I'm like, I didn't refer kids at 15 months if they weren't walking. I said, call me in a couple months if they're not walking or if they came in at their 18 months and they were walking, that's when I referred them because most of the kids that weren't walking at 15 months started walking by 18 months. And if they weren't walking by 18 months, I referred them. So like, This is not going to change pretty much anything that I do. I do think I like some of the verbiage for parents. I think it makes some things easier to understand the way that they use the words. And I like the fact that they cut some shit out that didn't need to be there. And they, it's evidence-based. They actually looked at the evidence and was like, whoa. I mean, it's like, I know, I know. I bet Big Pharma is paying for this speech. I'm going to go check my um, bank account afterwards and see if I got my Big Pharma check. Yeah. Oh, oh my, mine's, probably, uh, mine's probably with my COVID test that I ordered. <laughs> Still not here. Yeah. Let me, let, okay. So there's a couple. So first of all, let me just, let me just say a couple things. And I, I cannot agree with you more, Nicole, because I think part of this is people are just so on so on edge that any headline just they're just looking to be mad they're just looking to be pissed they're just looking to be screwed over and so they read this headline and there were three words they don't like and so they're going to get pissed about this entire document that we have that is evidence directed and they're gonna start throwing shit about it. Well, the problem is, is that a lot of the stuff that's getting thrown is fueling the fire of this disinformation that this is big government funded and it's keeping kids out of EI and the CDC's out to get us. And of course it's the CDC, they're covering up all these problems with the masks and this is what's happening and kids aren't getting any, early intervention. Newsflash people, the CDC does not fund early intervention. And any early intervention for all parents on this, if you are ever concerned about your child's development, you do not need a referral from any specialist, any pediatrician, or Mm -hmm. any teacher. If you are worried, early intervention is available to you. It is open to you. And you know what? That is what's on the bottom of every single page of this document from the age of two months to the age of 
five. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is very clearly spelled out, which is a good thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think a lot of the SLPs are really upset about one phrase of this entire document. Okay. So we need to just settle TF down. Okay. And let's think about this a little bit more globally. And let's have the adult ability that when new information is presented to us, let's try to figure out why. And so we're gonna go to the document in which these are directed, okay? On page five in which it states, Get mine out. May I read? May I read? Yes, I'm, I'm getting mine out so I can follow along. Okay, five, lower right hand corner. Oh, is this, I might have it highlighted. <laughs> oh, hold that up again. I think we're genius. Mine is less highlighted. Mine is just this part. An experts working group convened by the AAP. Wait, who? The, I believe that's, hold on. My old eyes. Hold on, hold on. Let me put on my spectacles here. I believe that stands for the American Academy of Pediatrics. So, hold on. But I thought you said the CDC. No, 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 no. So it's not Let's, the CDC. I'm sorry. Let me start again. Let me start again. Okay, okay. An expert working group convened by the American Academy of Pediatrics. Of which you and I are members. A proud member. Of which I just renewed my dues, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Talk about Big Pharma. <laughs> sought. I'm, I'm going to go. Sought. This is a big word here. Okay. So stay with me. Sought to improve. Sought to improve. CDC surveillance tools. So is hold this, on. Wait, 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 wait. Is a surveillance tool a diagnostic tool, Dr. Bowles? I was just going to say. Wait, I... These aren't for diagnosis? Are surveillance tools possibly predictive tools? Like, they tell the future. Not the last time I checked. Enter entertain me. Entertain me with your idea of what a surveillance tool might be. What does that mean to you? Um, hmm. Maybe the audience. Like, what do you guys think a surveillance tool What does a surveillance tool do? mean? Right? I'll keep going while you discuss. discuss you guys think. You guys think about what does a surveillance yeah. tool mean? I'm going to keep going here. Okay. Okay. Uh, my highlighted section. Okay. Sought to improve CDC surveillance tool. Oh, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. By enhancing conversations among pediatricians, early childhood professionals and families regarding childhood development, right? So all of these are meant to be a conversation starter. These are not diagnostic. These are not predictive. And stay out of my DMs if you are going to tell me that these milestones are going to affect people's freaking ACT scores. Okay. Somebody said that to you? Yes. That because they're not hitting the two-year benchmark, it's going to affect their freaking ACT score. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Okay. 
pediatricians, early childhood providers, and families regarding childhood development. And oh, catch this, catch this. This is news headline. Guiding clinical judgment on one developmental screening for these recommended agents. Isn't that genius? Isn't that genius? It's a communication tool to get developmental screening done, which is exactly why we need the SLPs in our freaking corner. Mm -hmm. And instead, they are stirring this freaking pot and fueling the fire for this crap. Like, this is just absolute junk. And increasing anxiety. Like, don't, don't put up a post that says an 18-month-old should have a freaking hundred words. Give me a freaking break. When is the last time you see an 18-month-old, if they're going to be successful for their long term, should have a hundred words at 18 months? Give me a freaking break. Well, and what 18-month-old can actually go to speech and and do anything? Right. And do anything. Like, people. I don't, I don't know. And again, I'm not a speech pathologist, and I love 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 all of my speech pathologists and all that kind of stuff okay then okay let's let's walk back let's walk back and i just want to say one more thing just before we get off the thing cdc has nothing to do with inter early intervention people the yeah. early you know, early intervention it's your state it's your state that's anything that leaves any parent can grab that but yeah. i'm not trying to keep your kid down yeah no yeah, okay. and i Go ahead. And, what else did you want to say? On, and on the 30 month guidelines, quite honestly, like I understand why they may be upset about the 50 words, but if you look at the other milestones that they have to achieve, can we all take a step back and realize that when we as pediatricians, when I have learners in my office, because I have residents in my office, I have nurse practitioners in my office, right? And they go into the former milestones where it says that a six month old should be sitting. Well, our formal milestones have 50% of those kids sitting. So what happens with some, when someone who is an early learner or doesn't have the clinical experience of the child development experts that pediatricians are, they come out of that room and they say, OMG, that six-month-old is not sitting. We need to refer immediately. Da -da 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 -da. Everybody, calm TF down. Yeah. Okay? They're also smiling, damn near waving, eating independently, you know, have all these focus. Like, development is not a singular line, people. It is a spectrum that just moves together and one path relates to another. And this is just setting, setting us up to not trust one another. Yeah. Because if, because if I tell you that I really feel like your 18 month is okay, that is fine if you disagree with me. If you disagree with me, please seek out inter early intervention. This is why you come to us. This is why you come to pediatricians. This is why you spend your time and your money. And mm -hmm. I, I know that there are crap pediatricians out there. I get it. I know that people have been burned before. I get it. But that is not, that is not the majority. Right. We, like you, you've, this is set, this, just this animosity, this divisiveness is just setting us to not trust each other. And that's not a good place to be because then nobody's happy. Mm -hmm. 
I am curious though, and I want to be respectful because someone commented that um, they felt that the topic was triggering for a lot of families who have children with developmental delays and they 100% understand how parents and providers are upset by some of these changes. And so I'm curious, and I don't know if this person is comfortable sharing more, but because I have seen some comments about that of families who have children with developmental delays and, and being upset by these changes. And I guess my question is, is it, is it because they felt like they were ignored or they feel like pediatricians are going to ignore because things are, are changed? I guess, I guess I'm just, I'm curious as, as to why, because I, but like, again, like Natasha and I said, it, it, it's again, it's that story of like the six month old that didn't sit like that's not a developmental delay. Like a, right. a six month old not sitting is not developmentally delayed. A nine month old that's not sitting is developmentally delayed. And so right. now that's why the thing was changed. And so I think that it, there, there, I, I hope, I think the hope and I think the intent behind this again was that this would encourage more referrals. Because if you are looking at this list and a kid is not doing something on this list, you're not going to say, let's wait and see. You're going to refer them versus before, you know, again, it's the walking yes. thing. If you had a 15 month old that wasn't walking, that's not a developmental delay. If you have an 18 month old that's not walking, that is a developmental delay. Okay. And so it's just a paradigm shift in, <laughs> in the way that it it's written. So it's, so it's not going to, so this piece of paper is not changing developmental milestones? No. No. <laughs> and it's not changing how we do our jobs, okay? But it will change for those that don't have that clinical gestalt and something that's so anxiety. There is nothing more comparative and anxiety producing than developmental milestones because we see them in other kids, right? And my kid's doing this, and that kid's doing that, and my kid's not doing that. Well, I will tell you, I did, I did a little survey in my stories, friends, about, about what milestones, I wrote them down in the notebook. What, <laughs> what milestone do you think, how old a kid should be to read these milestones? And you guys, I love, I love every single one of you masked off livers, but you suck at developmental milestones. <laughs> So, okay, you got no idea. The best one that you got was 61%, got him right. 14%, 7%, 20%, you guys all got him wrong. That's why we need to work together mm -hmm. is because it's not your job as a parent. You've got other freaking things to worry about. It is not your job as a parent to worry about this, this is why you bring them to us. And I guarantee you, if you bring a little person into Dr. Nicole Baldwin's office, I, I would give you $1,000. I bet Nicole can sit in her chair and guess how old your kid is within one month either way. Because this is what we have done our entire careers. And she's this is what they test us on on our damn board exam. This is, she's going to know either way. And not only that, she is going to know that if you are five steps ahead on your motor, that it's probably okay that you're, that you're just a smidge behind in your speech because you are excelling in one. You're a motor kid. Because the just brain develops differently. Like you, it can't all develop at the same time. I so, always say that. 
development is not a checklist. Development is not, this is a, this, development is not this. This is a communication tool. This is a surveillance tool. This is a tool of partnership. This is not gonna qualify a kid for developmental delay. So the real thing is this is triggering to Dr. Natasha, clearly. Drink some more wine, have some more. <laughs> because this, this is foundationally what we do. Because yeah. this is what we are trained to do. On what freaking planet would someone who has dedicated their entire life to taking care of kids be like, oh good, we don't have to refer those kids now. It's the most, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Can you see the comments? Because you need to read Emmy Jen's. Emmy Jen said, Dr. N, do you need some self-care? <laughs> yes, she take. does, Emmy Jen. She does need self-care. I would spit take, but I know I have to clean it up myself, so I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spit take red wine. If you have white, maybe, but do not spit take red wine. And for anybody who missed the inside joke, Natasha hates, hates the word self-care. Self-care, self-care. <laughs> self-care is more twice, triggering, twice. more triggering to Natasha than developmental guideline changes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us why don't you like the why don't you like self-care, Natasha? <laughs> Roll tape. When did we talk about this? We've done it was like a year ago. It was Valentine's Day because I was like, oh, we're going to talk about self-care. And you were like, I hate that word. <laughs> I hate the word self-care because I feel like self-care in our suburban, white, privileged little bubble that I certainly live in, self-care is implied to be self-indulgence. And self-care is not buying the shoes. And self-care is not getting the massage. And self-care is not getting this or getting that or whatever. Self-care fulfills your inner needs as a human, which to me are spiritual, they are connectedness, they are very internalized. A person who is performing self-care is fueling them and their inner core and their soul. And that's nothing that can be Instagrammed. And that's nothing that should be tweeted. And so I think the word self-care to me is like, self-care, getting a mani. No, I love that you're getting a mani. I get my nails done and I love it. Okay, you do them yourself, Nicole. I know, because you're a pro. I don't, have, I don't have that kind of dexterity. I can't do the left, I cannot do it with my left hand. I mean, that's just not happening. I'm old. It's not happening in my point of life where I can use my left hand to paint my right. It's just not happening. But that to me is not self-care. That's just maintenance. That's just old lady maintenance at this point. But Okay, but I disagree because, and I think again, listen, listen, Linda, listen, Linda. Everybody has a different, different things that fulfill them, that fill their cup, right? That make them feel good. You know, to me, Self-care to me is going and sitting in a hot bathtub. That is something I do 
Oh, okay. Let's sit in a warm, tepid pool of our own filth. Keep going. Yeah, exactly. Because I like my filth and it makes me feel better. <laughs> Just because you don't like it and you're all intellectual and you want to go to Harvard because you're a Harvard grad, then I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> God, we see, this is the off the rails edition. It totally is because we have totally lost our shit. I feel like this is the airing of grievances, and I got a lot of problems with you. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, guys. I get it. I get it, self-care lovers. I get it. And I know, Nicole, that you have the insight, and, like, you meditate, and you have religious study, and all this kind of stuff that really does fuel you. Yeah. I just think on the gram self-care getting well i don't put that shit on the instagram that's what i'm saying self-care doesn't go on the gram so if it's self-care it ain't on the gram right anyway anyway moving on anyway oh emmy jen emmy jen we should be bffs i don't know what is she saying she said she's currently sitting in a tepid pool of her own filth while she's giving you shit about self-care and that is why i love her so much okay i'm, I'm clearly getting vetoed out of this conversation that's right okay. that's, that's right i get it okay i before we get to after hours and hell no let's go i do i do want to talk about the simulac recall okay before just one quick question because people have asked this multiple times before we move on from developmental milestones are you very upset with the fact they took crawling off? Because there's a lot of, a lot of discussion about that. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready for my, you ready? No, I'm going to, I need to pour more wine. Okay. Go ahead. Talk. I'm not anti-crawling. I am pro infantile ambulation. <laughs> oh my God. That is the next t-shirt. I am pro infantile ambulation. Crawling is a bridge from sitting to standing. A lot of kids crawl in a lot of different ways. They, they are making progress into moving to a bipedal state in which humans traditionally live. Okay? I know that there are very big pro crawlers. I get it. But I also feel like a little bit of that is... Oh, you can't hold a pencil at five? You must not have crawled. <laughs> like, oh, you have, you got a 32 on your ACT? You must have a tongue tie. Like, I mean, I, I feel like it's like thrown under the bus just a little bit. I want to see like that the kids, a lot of kids ambulate in different ways and forcing a kid to do a four-point creep, which is actually what it's called, people. It's called a creep, not a crawl. To actually get them to a four-point creep. Mm -hmm. I'm not anti-creep. Mm -hmm. I'm pro-infantile ambulation. That's I love what, it. That, that's what I'm saying. What I got, a, I got a lot of hate mail asking me when I refer late crawlers and how I am going to know when a person is not crawling and when can I possibly refer them because I'm going to have no idea if it's not on this. Okay. okay. Moving on. Simulac recall. 
no. Are you no. are you pro infantile ambulation? I, I'm pretty sure I've never referred a kid that didn't crawl. Well, then you're an anti-crawlist, and you can. I, I mean, I mean, I think it's at Doctor Point Nicole Baldwin. Send your hate mail. Yep. Because I, I just like you said, they move, like <laughs> they scoot on their butt, they roll, they do whatever to get where they need to get. My, here's an example, my son, you know, I was a little nervous, like, why aren't you crawling? Like, and he crawled for two weeks and then he started walking and he was like, F this noise, I don't need to crawl. Like I can get up and walk and go where I need to go. Are you suggesting we are bi a bipedal species? Are you suggesting that we are trying to get to the, we're using that as a transition to the bipedal state? All I have to say is he was on the Dean's list at college. He may not have like gotten straight A's. So maybe that's because he only crawled for two weeks. I don't know. Um, Speaking of that, this is, this is transition into the Simlac recall because you know, I was formula fed for a while and I'm okay. So stop being an asshole to people that are really struggling with this recall and telling them, well, why didn't you breastfeed? Why didn't you offer them? Have you? I haven't even seen that because I haven't been on social media. Are people saying that? Oh my lord! Not not people on this show. Not people on this. Oh show. yeah, your ass will get blocked in a hot second. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that is inappropriate behavior. The Simulac recall is a big deal. It's a big deal. Because there is, there is, the formula supply is low. Already. Four of this. That is why this is a big deal. And I don't know about your office, but like that wiped out my Simlac samples. Like we have no Simlac right now. Neither do we. And then it yeah. wiped out all my Nutramagen because I had to give it to everybody who was on Alimentum. A hundred percent. I'm so, like, oh, yeah. and I mean. This is like, a big deal because this is, I don't know, a baby food. Yeah, it's, and, it, and it, and it, it's another baby food besides human milk. And all babies deserve to be fed. Yeah, and my, like, I mean, I seriously, when I saw that, almost threw up because, and I was out of town, I was at a conference last weekend when that news broke. I was sitting next to our head nurse and she was like, oh my gosh, did you hear about the Similac recall? I'm like, what are you talking about? She was like, the nurses are texting me, everybody's calling. And I was like, oh my God, which is part of the reason I haven't posted about it yet, people, because I was freaking out of town. So I'm sorry, you know, I apologize. Anyways, moving on. Um, I had just had a conversation with a mom like three days before about how hard she had, she had such a hard time finding Alimentum for her child. Alimentum is a hypoallergenic formula for children who have like a milk protein intolerance or some other allergy. And she had, you know, I gave her a ton of samples cause I was like, here you go. And she was like, and I had just, she was like, and it's so expensive. I just ordered like $300 worth of formula on, you know, yeah, I had just ordered $300 worth. So anyways, then I'm in my system checking and sure enough, there's a message from this mother that I like all of her formula was gone. She ordered $300. She, I had given her a butt ton of cans and she couldn't feed her baby any of that. And the terror uh, that, that these parents probably felt because they're like, what do I do? And you couldn't find formula anyways. And then you like, you have like, 
two hours, maybe four hours to find your baby something to eat potentially. Now, granted, okay, if your baby had to get one more bottle of that, it's not, it's not likely going to hurt them. But like, that was the panic that these poor parents were going through. I just, oh my God, my heart broke. My heart broke for these parents. Oh my it's God. awful. I, I was prepared. I was prepared to be like, we've got it guys. We're fine. If you need like an emergency can, like we've got it. And I was like devastated that we did not have this for our families because I know how stress inducing that is. And especially, I don't know, global pandemic and I don't know, formula recalls anyway. And I don't know, it costs so much. Bottom line, still very rare to have this complication, but it's a big deal for families. And don't yeah. be an asshole and tell them that it doesn't matter because you didn't breastfeed because that's a really dick move and we're not going to do that here. Okay? No, we're not. Because a lot of people tried to breastfeed and they couldn't right. and basically starved their children because the breastfeeding didn't work. Thank you. Until they could give their children formula. Right. Thank you. Me, 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 friends. Pediatrician here who fed her kids formula. So, anyways. Okay, after hours. We only have a little bit of after hours. I have a lot of hell no let's go. Let me tell you this first. Let me tell you this first because you are just going to be, okay. Well, you're not going to be necessarily surprised because you know me, but. I have something exciting to tell you. Okay. After hours, folks, after hours, dismiss yourselves if you're not- We're, we're only 27 minutes late for after hours, okay. but pre be prepared for more cussing. That's not sponsored by our employers. Okay, so check this out. So last Friday, I took Locke, Ayala, and her new boyfriend to the Kansas City Curling Club. We went curling. I need to know all about it. How was it? We are obsessed with it. It is <laughs> so much. obsessed with it before you started. We have joined the four of us, Kevin, me, Locke, and Lel, are now members of the Kansas City Curling Club, and we start league on Monday night. <laughs> it's so hard. Thank you. We are an international sensation, so I'm sure there's many curlers in this audience. But it was so hard. Both of my knees bruises, like to the point where my Peloton, my Peloton experience with my push-ups got affected because I had so many bruises on my knees. This is a big deal. Okay. Did you get that? Did you get the like the leg out and the Okay, don't laugh. That's freaking hard to do on ice. I'm sure it is. <laughs> and be able to release that damn stone with enough like twist on it anyway. We are members. We're going to do the Beginner's League on Monday nights. So Monday nights. Now, this is the, what's funny, and why I'm telling you this, is because the, they have a league where vaccinated people only can attend, and I wanted to do that. But it was Wednesday night, folks. That's, uh, you already screw up our Wednesday nights in the summer with your golf league, with your ladies' golf league. I know, and that can't change. So I thought to myself, legitimately, I'm like, Nicole would kill me if I joined this group on Wednesday nights. So I'm going to the Beginner's League on Monday. And then, of course, for all of you Mass Off Livers, like, like the schedule shifts during the summer because golf, se golf season is on Wednesdays. That will shift. But in the summer, hopefully there's nothing to talk about. We don't have to even do Mass Off Live. I would but like to translate this for the Mass Off Livers. Um, Natasha, Dr. Natasha finds golf more important than you guys. I would just, that's all I'm saying. I am here for you. <laughs> I am here for you guys. 
every Wednesday night. You should do solo. You could do a solo live. No, it would not be as fun. I'd be talking to myself and just drinking myself, and that's no fun. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I am going. I'm using all of my Big Pharma dollars. I'm using all of my Big Pharma cash to join the curling league on Monday nights. But anyway, I will, I will post. I will post on Monday, you guys. You guys have heard it first. I'll post a couple of pictures from our curling league on Mondays. I can't wait to see it. Okay. I just really wanted to tell you that. I'm Snoop, honestly, Snoop wants to see it. Look I'm at that face. He's pretty excited about it. He is so excited about that curling. He's like, yeah, bitch. <laughs> Let me see that curling. Okay. Hello, let's go. You ready? Yeah, you better do them fast. Okay, go on. Hello, let's go. I'm going to Las Vegas. Go to Las Vegas. <laughs> In March, I'm an adult, I'm Max Baxt, and I'm going to wear a KN95 when I'm indoors. Yeah, go. Let's go. Do it. Disneyland, end of March with a two-year-old. Disneyland. Oh, I saw that. I got that one, too. End of March, two-year-old. I would say let's go. Yeah, let's go. Because it's out. most of it's outside. 100%. Most of it's outside, and if you feel sketchy about something, don't go in. And your kids, too, they can put a mask on. Boosted adults going to indoor dining. So I think it depends on two things. It depends on your community rates, and it depends on, I think, your individual risk. So I think if you are a generally a low-risk adult who is boosted and your community rates are, like, moderate to low, I think you're probably fine. I would do that. Um, I think that if you're high risk, no, I would not risk that. Um, or if your community rates are super high, then then probably no. That would be mine. What would you say? Completely agree. Yeah. Completely agree. Your community rates get, and Timmy again. I'm using fifty. You're using ten, but I. I no, no, I'm using ten for low. I would say moderate is like fifty. So you know and what I mean? Like there's kind of a double. Yeah. I almost feel like the. Incident rate to me is maybe a little bit more valuable than percent positivity. Do you think that or not? Now that 68% of us here in Johnson County and hopefully in your county too are vaccinated or plus, do you find incident rate or percent positivity more valuable to you? I think probably incident rate because to me, I think the percent positivity really depends on the amount of people that are getting tested. And again, you know, that's variable depending on people not going in to get tested. I don't know. I just feel like the incident rate. No, that's what I just said. You weren't listening, but that's what I also just said. I wasn't because I was looking to see if this person was actually trolling us or trolling you and I needed to block them or not. So that's what I was trying to figure uh, out. Oh, I have a lot of people like that. Okay. Okay. Do I, do I need to block them? I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it was a joke that they were saying that you were get your money from Big Pharma, so cost for curling is not an issue, or if they meant it. So if they meant it, I think you need to block them. Okay. If they or maybe they, they have your money from Big Pharma and they want to send it to you. I don't know. Like, Well, I know my big money from pharma is like... Oh. Okay, they're being sarcastic. All right, good. Thank you. That's all we wanted. <laughs> and I would imagine my big pharma check would only partially cover 
My, oh, that's how expensive equipment. Your big Barba check won't even cover your curling equipment. A curling stone is two hundred fifty dollars, you guys. A curling stone is like one stone, and I play eight of them. Do you have to buy your own? No, I don't have to buy my own. No, I'm part of the club. I have to pay my month. I have to pay my membership dues. Okay. Okay. I'll know. Let's but, keep going. But if I but if I donate as a volunteer. And I donate, and then they buy a set of stones, which only come from one rock quarry in Scotland, by the way. What? No, bet you didn't know that. If I donate to get a stone, I can put on the handle whatever I want. Like you can, you can, so, person, you can personalize the handle. So when you go to the Kansas City Curly Club, you there, there's funny things on all the rocks because the person who has donated it can personalize the handle. And most of the handles say, I don't know either. Just throw it. <laughs> this is just for fun. <laughs> so I love, okay, everyone is like, you guys need to suggest what we put, what, we, what Natasha would put on her stone. Somebody I said hashtag MOL, which I like. I think anti-adult bullshit, anti-adult BS. That is your classic line. That is like, beyond the fact that you say international sensation a million and 52 times, I think anti-adult BS is my favorite. Yes, yeah, someone else, Jen, it's Jen's favorite too. No, it's big pool of filth! <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it's true, it's true. Okay, this I'll- This is self-care, this is self-care. <laughs> I will not put this is self-care on the stone. Oh my God, not someone said don't drink bleach. <laughs> or put hashtag funded by big pharma <laughs> these are so good you guys these, these are, are so, so good <laughs> oh my god okay do you have more hell no let's go I have a lot okay Disney, Disney on ice in the sprint center which is our like big auditorium yeah uh, late March my four-year-old will mask. I think that's probably fine. Oh, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Four-year-old mask, let's go. Okay. Oh, I like this one. I'm max-faxed. Max-faxed, two-year-old at home. We both, meaning this parent and the two-year-old, had Omicron. Can I go to the gym? Yes. Yeah. Indoor play date. Unmasked. Because this person is in the winter season because we're an international sensation. And there are some people in the throes of winter season, okay? We're all in the throes of winter. You mean summer? This is a Canadian. And I am okay. trying to learn curling to join the Canadian, to be more Canadian. Or Natasha wants to move to Canada. I'm going to Canada this summer and I just want them to accept me, okay? <laughs> Indoor playdate, 16-month-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old, and they both had Omicron. Oh, heck yeah. Go. Do it. NBA game, Max vaxxed, I'll wear a mask. Yeah. Go for it. Pool party. This Woo! Summer. Pool party what? This summer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, invite me. Okay. Don't invite. I don't know that I want to be invited. It depends on um, how much wine I drink between now and then. 
I need to I need to knock off some of the alcohol because girlfriend doesn't need to be in a swimsuit right now. You know what though? You're gonna have your Hoffenschlafen or whatever that is by the pool. That's all I know. Hoffer Hoffer. Whatever. Indoor. The Germans are gonna accept me. Always. Indoor birthday party for a three-year-old. Max 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 parent. All of the parents attending are vaccinated. Here's what I will say about that. I feel like it's probably okay, depending on how many people you have. But why do you need to have a three-year-old? Like, I don't have a big blowout birthday party for your three-year-old. Have, like, family members over and whatever. I feel like that's fine. But I feel like you don't need to have 15 three-year-olds at your house. Do you need a balloon arch? Those seem to be popular. Not for a three-year-old. Let me, let me give you guys a little bit. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys a little bit of insight from somebody who has lived this. And from somebody who had way too large of birthday parties for her children when they were way too young. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need some more wine for this. Keep going. Listen, friends. They don't remember that shit. So do not spend... If you are spending a butt ton of money for your three-year-old, just acknowledge you're spending it for yourself. And then that's fine. If that is what you want to do, do self-care. it. Self-care. Totally. Put it on the gram. Put it on the gram. It's self-care. But your three-year-old, because my three-year-old's birthday party, Cinderella was at my three-year-old's birthday party, okay? It was a big freaking deal. Does my three-year-old remember Cinderella was at her birthday party? No, she doesn't. It was a waste of my money. Don't waste your money. Have your niece dress up as Cinderella, and she will be none the wiser. I think Dr. Baldwin is available for any Disney character parties. Only (laughs) Belle, though. Oh, my God. Oh, you just reminded me. I have got to tell you something. Okay. I am so sorry, but this this is going to take just a minute, and I have to tell this story. I was in Orlando over the weekend for a conference. Okay, I got to hear more about this. So the conference was fine, whatever. It's that The conference is not what I, need, what I need to tell you about. On the flight home from Orlando, and I was not at Disney this time. I did not go to Disney. I did not set foot anywhere. I did not see the mouse. I'm a little disappointed in that, but it's okay. I was, I was, I didn't need to see the mouse. I've seen the mouse a couple times. It's fine. On the way home, I never sit in the middle seat. Never. I had to sit in the middle seat. So I'm sitting in the middle seat and this guy sits down next to me and he has on like a a Disney running shirt. Like is his shirt says something like the faster you run, the faster we get treats or something like that. So I start up a conversation. This is going to shock you. Um, I strike up a conversation with the guy sitting next to me. Okay, okay. First red flag of this story. Right. This was not the first red flag of this story. Never. So I'm sitting in the middle seat. And I'm like, the guy's in the window seat. And I'm like, oh, I like your shirt. And so we start talking. He was supposed to run the princess half, but he didn't. And I was talking about how I've run the princess half and blah, blah, blah. And then guess what he reveals? 
And where are you from? And where were you born? And what do you do? Just, oh, wait, I already that. know. Hold on. I know where he went to high school. He's from Cincinnati. That is not the important point. Do you know what the important point is? He was a cast member at Disney. And he was goofy for years. Not only was he just goofy, he played goofy in the castle show. Like the show at the front of the castle. What? The years that I was at Disney. So like I am pulling out my phone to look at my pictures to see if I have pictures of him in a Disney costume in 2012. So anyways, we talked for two hours the whole time. I learned so many Disney secrets from this friend. I mean, so many secrets. I, this was the best flight ever. It was the best flight ever. I mean, the best flight ever. And this, my friends, is self-care. Right there. That is why you talk to the people sitting next to you on the plane, because you can learn all of the secrets about the cast members at Disney, and it was amazing. I mean, for all you people that don't like Disney, you're like, shut the hell up. Like, you know, whatever. But I mean, guys, this was joy to me. <laughs> I am so, no, this is, this is worth you being through like a shitty conference, like the whole week or whatever. Like this, this is your reward for that. I love that. I love that journey for you. Thank you. Thank okay. you. I love it. Thank you, Alexis. Thank you, Alexis. I love that journey for you. And it still is not going to make me pull out my ear, my noise canceling headphones and put down my hoodie anytime I sit down in a plane. <laughs> so did you find, did you find photos like that matched? I, so I, I found photos from 2012 and 2013 when he was goofy, but I didn't, I didn't take any pictures of the castle show, but he pulled up on his Instagram pictures of him as goofy and like all of these crazy things like if they speak like there's all these different codes that they use for their it's not they're not called their handler but you know what I mean like their person that's helping them because if they speak in costume they're fired instantly if they if they're caught speaking in their costume because they're not right you know clearly that's goofy and they're cast for their height so he played goofy woody um, a green army man. Um, he was a stilt walker in one of the parades. Like, so he did all of these different things. Um, and the most expensive, what do you think the most expensive character costume is at Disney? Of all the characters at Disney. Anybody want to guess? There's so many. Think about the most expensive one. My gut tells me Cinderella. You're wrong. Mm -hmm. She has a whole freaking castle. Well, that's not part of her costume dangling. Like the costume, the actual okay. thing that the person puts on. Hold on. Give me a sec. Just, is it a princess? Is it a main character? Okay. Um, it's, it's a Pixar character. But not a main character. It's a main Pixar character. Main Pixar character. Woody? I don't know. You're close. Okay, couple, hold on. couple people in the comments have it. Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. The Buzz Lightyear costume costs $40,000. You are lying. I you swear are that is what he told me. 
You're being paid by Big Buzz. He is being paid by Big Pixar. Big Pixar's paying him. Why is it so expensive? The shield? Well, no, the, like, because the cost, I think the costume the guy puts on, I mean, it's like, I guess maybe what it's made out of and the wings. And so we were joking. I was like, damn, don't break those wings. And do you know how many of them they have? Because here's the other thing. There's three of them. There's th at any given time, there's three of them, right? Because they do, well, three, I guess it depends on if they're outside or inside. He said if they're outside, they have a 20 minute shift. If they're inside, they have a 45 minute shift. And, but like they rotate through. So like, you know, it's just like if you've ever been there when you're waiting for the character for your kids yeah. and then one of them walks away and they come in. Um, so there's like, I don't know how many Buzz costumes there are. There's got to be a lot because there's the Buzz that is the, you know, at the thing greeting. There's Buzz that's in parades. How many Buzzes yeah. are in the parade? Like there's all, you know, I don't, I don't think there's a character like, like, dining with buzz but so it's like all of these different costumes um but yeah so super expensive so anyways i don't know like he but was still, he didn't say why though like is it like is it a real like is it the material i would think it would be the hood like, I, don't, I don't know what it is about it but it's expensive okay 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 you're you really need to improve your follow-up questions girl if you're gonna be this extrovert talky talky i talk for two hours why does the suit cost so much? Dude! <laughs> Someone just said that thing better fly. <laughs> Goodness. But I'm sure That's... all of them are expensive. They're like quality costumes that are apparently very smelly. Oftentimes. I can't. Of course they are. Can you imagine the are. stank in imagine? those things? Can you imagine being like the Chewbacca in the Star Wars? I mean, give me a freaking break. A lot. I am so happy for you, though, that you sat next to him. It was, it was amazing. It changed that my life. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing for you. I love that. How was the conference? It was fine. It was fine. It was, I don't know. Explain to people, explain to the people what the conference was. So our electronic health record, which is what we document all of our stuff on. So I am one of the people. Or the EHR. E EHR. Um, so the company holds a conference every year. We haven't had one since 2018 because in 2019, it was supposed to be in Orlando and there was a hurricane. So we did not go. Um, and then obviously there was a global pandemic where we did not go. And so the reason that Natasha is so interested is because she also has the same EHR and generally her husband comes to this conference as well, which is typically the highlight of the conference because I get to hang out with my friend Kevin, but I didn't because he didn't go this year. And so, yeah. And then there was this little thing called, um, masks are recommended, which meant that I was one of five people wearing a mask at the whole conference. It was very, very disturbing to me. Um, I was, I was not in a good place. Are you serious? I am serious. I am dead ass serious. Were there more people there than when we went to our conference in Orlando? Um, yes. But it was probably, uh, it was probably in a little bit of a bigger space than where we went.
Um, but no masks. We did have to, they had, we had like a clear health pass. So you had to either be vaccinated or have a net. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Exactly. Vaccinated or have a negative test 72 hours or whatever before you got to the conference. But we didn't test every day like we did at the conference we were at. Now, and again, it was not crowded, um, but I kept my mask on the whole time. But lots of people that are physicians didn't have their masks on. I am, I am giving them great grace that they are max vaxxed. And they are, but I was bothered, which is why I just am like, okay, we did it. And I sat there with my mask on the whole time. And, you know, I just thought about like, you know, Natasha and I presented for four hours at a conference in a room with like eight people and we wore our masks the whole damn time that we talked and everybody in that room had their mask on the whole time that we talked i don't i like i don't know i mean again whatever people are gonna do what they're gonna do and i was like okay i have my mask on no unless i was eating and i wasn't like right on top of people but it still it bothered me it bothered me whatever well, and i think to to I think we're all going to have those points, right? So I think we're all going to have those points as we go through the next six months. And I think the important part to remember is that if you're max vaxxed and if you have a well-fitting KN94 and 95 on, you're fine. Yeah. You're yeah. fine. If you, feel, if you feel uncomfortable, put on your mask and you will be fine. Yeah. That is what's, what has been keeping us safe this entire two years. Trust in, trust in that. And just own your discomfort and put on that mask and also again like when you see that person without a mask know that they're they may just be dipping their foot in so. yeah what um okay what are you reading watching and uh listening to and cooking okay so i am reading urgency of equity we didn't talk about that oh did you love that <laughs> Oh, 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 my goodness, folks. Urgency of equity. Urgency of equity. Dr. Baldwin, we have three minutes left. What do you want to say about that? I'm going to put a link in the comments of it right now because Scott was asking about it. Um, urgency of equity, people. Urgency of equity. Just go to urgencyofequity.org. I think if you org. Google that. So basically, if you guys have seen, if anybody's seen this urgency, what is it called? Urgency of normalcy or something like that? Is that what it's called? Urgency of normalcy. Which is uh, like basically a BS toolkit put out by people who aren't pediatricians um, talking about how like kids don't need to wear masks in school because... COVID isn't that bad in kids and masks don't really work and blah, 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 which is a bunch of bullshit. So the, or so another group of, of physicians came up with the urgency of equity toolkit, which I think is pretty awesome. Putting out, you know, talking about data of how it's important that 
you know, think about the, the people that have been most affected by this pandemic have off, have been minorities. And so by, you know, encouraging all of this, like talking about normalcy by, you know, ditching masks and stuff like that, what you're really doing is putting people who are in minorities at higher risk for getting sick and dying or for kids losing a parent or a caregiver, because that is like, that is the one thing that like drives me so flipping crazy is when people say that COVID doesn't affect kids because kids aren't getting hospitalized. But you know what, if a kid loses a damn parent or a grandparent or a, or a babysitter or a caregiver who somebody's important in their life, that affects them for their whole damn life. So don't even freaking tell me that this doesn't affect kids. So anyways, that's what this, this is, that's it in a nutshell in the, in the 30 seconds that I can talk about it. Okay, put that in the thing, put that in the comments. I did, I put it in there. Because that's important. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's what I'm reading. What I'm watching is the new, um, uh, I'm watching with Ayala, and it will, I, no spoilers, the new episodes of The Marvelous, or, or Mrs. Maisel. Mrs. Maisel. Mrs. Maisel. Uh, I am reading Developmental Milestones, and I am cooking, I am cooking, Nothing, because this last two weeks has been an absolute crap hole. Okay, keep going. <laughs> okay, so reading. I am currently reading, I started reading this one, which you said was good, Essentialism by Greg McEwen, McCowan. How do you say that? But I Follow also read. Follow this podcast. Okay, okay. But I read this book, so it's called. It ends with us. This is fiction. This was for one of my book clubs. I read it so fast. For so for people who like fiction, trigger warning, there is domestic violence in this. Okay. So if 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 you are triggered or if you have experienced domestic violence and 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 so don't read this, please. But very, very intriguing, interesting book. I thought I liked that. Um watching, okay, so I started watching this show on Netflix. It's called Catching Killers. Um, I like um murder mystery type things and this is a documentary so it's it's all about like actual detectives as they were like trying to find these serial killers and stuff like that and the process that they went through and stuff like that so i love that i am not listening to anything new at this point because i haven't had time and i've been gone so i haven't cooked anything that's true and that's it Thanks for joining us at Mass Off Live. It's a passion project of Nicole and I's for many, many months now. I hope you enjoyed yourself, you enjoyed your time, and you learned something new. Grab your glass of wine and join us live. We will be on Instagram. Follow our channels, and you'll know the date and time of the next show. Until then, find all of the links of what we talked about in the show notes. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. And until we see each other again, uh, be kind and be well.